Today is No Putts Given, Episode 7. I feel like when we get to like Episode 232, we need a different intro, but you know, for today, No Putts Given, Numero 70, and we're going to be talking Rocket Mortgage Classic, Steve Stricker hitting 13-year-old irons, Steph Curry versus Jordan Spieth, Sam Robinson swipes right again, and we just got back from Titus. Let's get it. All right, so Rocket Mortgage Classic. Who do you think won? Ricky Fowler, right? I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the rule. I think that's why they created it. Did he play? Was no? he in the field? Is, it, is that wrong? <laughs> that is wrong. Uh, <laughs> Nate Lashley won, and not just won, but dominated, and just a hell of a cool story. So this guy needs to send an immediate thank you card to David Berganio because David withdrew, which allowed Nate to get in on Wednesday. Um, so pretty cool. Um, and he was an alternate and found his way in the tournament, like I said, on Wednesday. And for those of you that don't know, um, bad, just crazy, awful story, right? So Nate, uh, was a good college golfer and his parents and girlfriend on a trip to watch him play in a regional tournament in college, uh, had a plane crash and all died. Um, and so, obviously, he struggled for some time to get back into golf uh, in a professional way and was even, you know, flipping houses for a while. Uh, but he found his way back, and he found his way into the winner's circle. And the whole story behind the plane crash could be an entire episode of No Putts Given. Uh, but if, uh, if that's something you're interested in looking into, um, I'd recommend checking out a story in 2017 by Jason Sobel. Uh, through ESPN Magazine and online. It's a great story and much better than we could do for it today. Uh, but like I said, just a really cool story. Just, and you don't see these happen all the time. You know, it's usually a big name, big time professional golfer yeah. that everybody's heard of. So like, pretty cool. To see, like Ricky right? Fowler? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. got to be like fate, right? I mean, if that's something you believe in. I mean, Dave, the long... David Berganio drops out and then he, and then Nate gets did in. He, and... Did he even get a practice round? He actually failed to qualify on the money qualifier, correct? It would have been the guy. I believe he's the guy that, that just didn't make it in. So to be so the, the first alternate, alternate right? Yeah. yeah. Third alternate? Third alternate, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So he got in anyway on Wednesday, which is just crazy cool because think about it, right? A lot of guys go out the week four, two weeks before, sometimes mm-hmm. the big tournament prep. This guy really didn't prep any and just you know, lit it up from yeah. day one. I think he was the leader pretty much from, you know, end to end, right? Wire to wire. We were and talking about that on the ride over. How many birdies did he have? I think it was 28 birdies and three bogeys. <laughs> that, that's and, a year's worth for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and I think he had, and that's being generous. I was going to say, that's being generous for you. I think, really he, I think he went like 32, 36 holes with outer bogey at that time. Yeah. So just a cool story. You don't get a lot of those during the year. Um, so yeah, Teach um, me how to do that. He's going to the Open. That is true. Oh, is he? Yeah. Good for him. That's yeah. cool. Yep. And uh, so he moved up to, I think, 40th in FedEx rankings. And, you know, not a super long guy off the tee. Ranks in the top, I think, 50 for distance. Okay. Um, but strokes gain-wise, killed it this tournament. And uh, in regards to what's in his bag and what he played, uh, ping, 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 Ventus, 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 Ventus. 
Um, so full vent. There goes Tony with the Ventus hat. So <laughs> Ventus, Ventus, Ventus. Yeah, we got uh, oh. a full staff of Ventus players here, um, and uh, it's I got all the Ventai. <laughs> hey, do you want to do you want to send one of those over to me? You're playing mine are going to be yeah, probably too light wood. and definitely too soft for you, Harry. Let's. All right. Well, I need to get one of those in my three wood because I love the. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't have anything for a 125-ish swing speed here. <laughs> okay. Maybe well, you could ask. Maybe you could ask Nate to send you one. So Six in, X tipped an inch. Yes, in the Six driver, minutes. he's playing the Ping G410 LST with Fujikura Ventus, um, and I think that's what's in the bag of our own Sam Robinson this week at the Waffle House Jesus Memorial Tournament we had this weekend, right? Yeah. Is that a, is that a real thing? Waffle that is a, now it is. Dude. We're gonna get you down for it next year. We All have right. the trophy and everything, man. Yeah, that trophy yeah, is something the, to the look Titleist at. The guys, we'll, we'll cover the Titleist visit here in a minute, but they were uh, they were genuinely amused by the fact that, I don't know how many years have we had that facility open now down in Virginia, and I've never been there. Yeah. Blows their mind. Yeah. Blows mine, too, every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just how good a job Sam and Harry do. I don't need to Wow, <laughs> don't flatter me. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not the case, because we send all um, of our stuff up to you in New York. <laughs> Well, anyway, bag of 400, you know, G410 driver, G410 LST3 wood. The most interesting thing that I saw was that it's a product that no one has really seen yet. Mm -hmm. He's got a 60 degree ping glide 3.0. So Matt, if you could pull that up for everybody I mean, to see. All you old heads out there that remember the ping i2s, uh, that is the, the inspiration for the new ping glide 3.0. Those, those have not come out yet. Those have not come out. We yet. just, uh, just so, got the pictures last week, right? So we're already winning on tour with Glide 3.0 wedges, and they haven't even come out yet. Well, yeah, bring, so. it's like bring back the plate. I think they call that tour proven, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, look Jeez. at this. Do you remember? So, so in the hill, it just goes. It's pretty much like square, and then it just goes straight up for the hill. Well, the it's it's very down. similar to you know you see a lot of it now, like uh, with Callaway and TaylorMade, and now Wilson has a prototype. It's got a high toe, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, that's the OG right there. That's a new one. That's the Ping Glide 3.0 that looks like the old yeah, one too. Uh, with the with the iSole too, they I would assume they're still in it. Yeah, you can see it right there in that photo. Do a little bit of narrowing of the hosel, right? So kind of yeah. really thin out that hosel to help it get through the sand a little bit easier. It's as like well, cheating. So. Do we what what do we know about? It? Do we know where the weight is? Is the weight pretty much predominantly on the toe, or is it tucked away somewhere else? It's, I mean, I, I, I don't have any direct info, but usually what you do is, you know, when you, you have a design like this where you're putting mass where you don't necessarily want it in the in the toe, for example, you generally do something in the hosel to kind of bring it right. back closer to the middle. Not everybody does it well, but that that's going to be the design goal for sure. It's, it's certainly yeah. not to have your center of gravity way out on the toe. You well, want to be able to hit it on a full swing and hit it well. So. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure that's going to bring back some memories from people. Uh, the Ping I2s. Uh, were like the bees knees back in the day. Um, there's people that still play. Still play. Dude, I, remember, I remember hitting those bad those boys when I, was, ones. when I was 12 people years old. People don't get rid of those. I know it. Hold on to it. I've them. got uh, one of the guys I play with has one leg and I believe two ISO wedges. So <laughs> Got more isoles than legs. <laughs> so next to the cool stories of equipment, I think, or one of the cooler ones you'll hear in a long time is Steve Stricker won the U.S. Senior Open with a set of 13-year-old irons. Um, Titleist 755s, 
a really cool story about that too is that he kept them you know these guys get a lot of clubs right for free from their uh, sponsor and he's had lots of titleist irons since then and for whatever reason he won with these 13 years ago and kept them around because he liked them that's when i started playing golf 13 years ago that was the first time i picked up a club what was your first club sam some, first knock, some knockoff Tommy Armor, what Ooh, are they called? Silver the, Scots. Yeah, but the they they were fake. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the Sammy Scots. Yeah, Sammy Scots, Sammy full Sam size. Swanson. I was I was about five one playing full size irons. <laughs> but he's grown an inch or two since then. <laughs> yes, two inches actually, and three so. pounds. <laughs> <laughs> A little more hair on my face, and three pounds two inches. So, well. I think Sam had as many birdies as Nate Lashley this uh, weekend, though. So he turned it around and figured out how many birdies you have on the front nine. Six. Six. Yeah. Killed it. Anyway, uh, back, back to Steve Stricker and these irons, right? So he pulled them back out a few weeks ago, I guess, and obviously has it's paying dividends pretty quickly. He yeah, played seriously. great in the last tournament and then just won in dominant fashion, right? So it brings me to kind of a bigger question. And Harry, I'll ask you first, have you ever kind of brought something back from the past that you had success with, you know, and wondered why you ever got rid of that old thing? I mean, yeah. I mean, the closest thing I can relate to is when I was back in my uh, bachelor days, going back to a crazy... (laughs) I don't like where this is. (laughs) Going back to like, you you always had that like real crazy ex, but she was fun. That's my G400 LST. That's my G400 LST right there. Yeah, so you went away from the G400 LST and went to what? Uh, the PXG. And now you're back to the LST. I'm back to the LST. And every damn time I turned around on Friday, you were 20 yards off the green. Yeah. Yeah. That was annoying. I can help. That was, I was really annoying. I was hitting it pretty well. Yeah, we were smashing I, uh, drives. I played, I played Thursday, and I was like 20 yards off the green, too, on, on, on every third or fourth shot. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what Harry's talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's it. You, I mean, I couldn't. I I had to go back because my PXG was messing up, so I had to put it on a naughty step. It's facing the wall right now. It's 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 in timeout. <laughs> it's facing the wall. It's Don't you have out. like a Nike Sumo like three wood or something, dude? That it's, was awesome. It's in it's in the the storage bag. But you pull it out still. I don't know. I kind of want to get a new shaft for it because man, I played that thing through high school, through college, and that was like my go to fairway finder. Second shot into par fives. I mean, can I can I give you a piece of shaft advice for that particular club? Ventus. <laughs> no, I was I was actually gonna say just don't do that. Oh, don't do it. <clears throat> yeah, don't do Why? it. Why? See, you're all about new and he and tinkering, and Sam's over here hitting fairways in regulation with a ten year old sumo. Yeah, but you can hit fairways with with something that's that's newer and doesn't sound like. But Tiger Woods played this for so long. But let me Tiger let me let me ask script. you this, Tony. Uh, do you find fairways with your new clubs? Some of them, yeah. <laughs> and and you are the We're, smartest and, and dumb I, person can, out there. Harry, I need you. I need you to clarify though. Um, the fairway I'm aiming at, or just do like adjacent <laughs> fairways. In in my game, it's it's whatever fairway you hit is is a is a G U R is a GUR. Yeah, yeah. Fur. My, my thinking a, here fur? is uh, fairway and regulation. Fur is. If I hit the ball off the tee and I get to hit that same ball again without doing that kind of bend over, take a really awkward drop thing, it's good. <laughs> hey, good 
We got you covered, man. Harry's been testing those ball retrievers. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> we'll send you one. <laughs> you won't have best? to. You won't have to climb under the bush anymore. You can just stick the thing in there. What's and get the best it out? ball retriever, Harry, for everyone out there? Well, last year, yeah, uh, it was the. Uh, why am I drawing a blank? Bag, because bag boys. The I got you. No one cares. I got you. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, I got you, dude. You save so much money if you if you pick out your um your ball. You why? Three hundred. You know Three hundred million. Playing balls. Hey, when Tony gets Don't off this that. podcast today, he's going straight to Bag Boy. I got you on Amazon. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's gonna say three hundred million. Three hundred million uh, balls have made every year in in USA. They're lost. If you put a head yeah. cover on it, they'll never know it's a bat a ball retriever. Ooh, that's what you should do. Put like a cortex. Or a uh, ping <laughs> on a cortex. Yeah, like a hybrid head cover. They'd never know. <laughs> All right. Well, next is a uh, what we call a shot of the truth. And today we are going to cover needle movers in golf. And today we're going to go over Steph Curry versus Jordan Spieth. So for you guys and uh, girls out there that did not see it or hear it, Steph Curry came out with his own line of Under Armour golf gear. It's called Range Unlimited. And uh, yeah, I knew I, that. I, I like that. that. I knew you were going to. Daddy likey. Daddy likey. <laughs> so, by the way, Daddy. Steph Curry also just came out with a golf show called Holy Moly. Has anyone seen it? Holy I haven't shit. even. <laughs> this is the first time I've he- hearing of it. Yeah, I've never heard of it. What? So I watched. I watched five minutes of Holy Moly, which is like basically it's I don't know carnival esque putt putt in it. It's it's hot garbage. I watched five minutes and I was like, my God, I would give anything for shot makers to be on right now. So I mean, did you, wow, is that like is bad, it dude. is it like five minutes of your life you're never get, ever gonna get back? It's 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 exponential. Like I feel like I lost ten for watching five. Well, now I want to go and watch it just to see how bad it is. Go for oh, it. Oh. <clears throat> no. Holy moly, that's what it's called. Um, yeah. And, and uh tony's putting <laughs> tony's putting it below shot makers for any of you out there that remember that oh show. my god yeah no, it's, where where all right rank these three shows driver versus driver shot makers and holy moly what's my what's my scale because I, I feel like it's going to be really difficult to stretch that out where i can put holy moly up at an appropriate distance below shot makers which obviously sits a significant different uh distance uh below driver versus driver so are you yeah, saying I mean, that because i was on the of, show on a scale of one to ten it's like you know minus four zero and seven. Oh, driver we versus got driver. seven dude let's go was this but as i have a hundred though dude. uh that's <laughs> where they get you no i mean look i think it's, it's probably hard to do a golf-based tv show well i mean i think Sort of big break is probably the bar, right? I think that's one yeah, that's, that's the money. golfers actually enjoyed watching. <clears throat> Something interesting I learned about that, and I didn't know, was I think this could be the change in why you see that. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But from what I heard, the big break was about coming up with a good concept, right? And producing a cool concept show. And now the majority of the shows have to be sponsored, meaning people – exactly. So – these shows get pitched to manufacturers or whoever golf companies that and get sold. So they're already diluted versions and kind of like uh, modern infomercials to some degree. Whereas Big Break was just a killer, you know, survivor with golf. Good right? idea. It was yeah, a great idea. Was and it was good though. golf. Right. I mean, that's the thing. What do you think I Big think Break with bad golf? Like, what if there was like a Big Break for me where it's just 
me and other people almost as bad as I. Dude, I, don't I, think I would definitely have, watch. Where that. would we rate Holy Moly versus that? I think I, it, I would. I would still be better than Holy Moly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would I be pretty entertained to watch Tony Hackett around. I don't for an think. Hour. It, I don't think they would actually get a full hey. episode out because it was still out there, there trying to Hank, swing. <laughs> there was Hank Haney and Charles Barkley. Cut. <laughs> now there's Hank Haney and Tony Covey. You think that could happen? There we go. What do we call it? I, well. I don't know. Shit on the, the stick. Big shank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god! I think that's a good one. That's, that's a good one. That's a catchy yeah. line. Everyone's gonna remember that. Literally. Oh my god! All right. Well, anyway, the bigger question that I have around this is: golf seems to have a problem with the cool factor and people moving the needle. Like Tiger was the needle, is the needle. And no one else seems to be able to move the needle in regards to selling equipment, right? So Steph Curry, non-professional golfer, Jordan Spieth, professional golfer, both Under Armour, right? Sponsored. So Steph Curry has 26 million followers on Instagram. Spieth has a million plus, right? And let's face it, we're closer to a following similar to Jordan Spieth than Steph Curry, right. you know, at this point, yeah. right? So, following aside, do we think that non-professional golfers can move the needle and sell more gear than the actual professional golfers that are sponsored to do this? Like Jordan Spieth, who has his own golf shoe for Under Armour. What do you got? What do you think, Tony? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think athletes from other sports are probably golf's best chance to gain popularity. Honestly. Uh, if we talk about, you know, sort of, in my opinion, where Nike's, Nike's biggest failure as a golf company was, and, and to a degree still is, was leveraging that stable of athletes that they have. I think Michael Jordan is, is probably the prime example of, you know, guys who are golfers who could help make golf look cool to non-golfers. And, and Nike was never able to do that. They haven't do that, haven't, haven't done that, may never do that. And so, what gets projected to the to the public is, uh, from a golf perspective, is, is more holy moly than than cool factor, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Tony, didn't you go to Callaway? Um, was it the flash reveal where you were the only pretty much golf media there at yeah, that, at that and time? Yeah, and Medias were called. Yeah, and and so, and Callaway took a little bit different approach, but yeah, it is about trying to, in their case, their brand as much as the sport. Um, sort of be associated with cool. So a lot of influencers like like Brody Smith, Eric Anders Lang, some of them sort of from outside the golf world. I mean, The, the Bachelor was there. We had a, a former Miss America, Katie Kearney. I mean, long list of, of people that kind of exist on the periphery of golf. They're not into it the day-to-day right. like we are. They have, you know, expansive social media followings. And so that that's sort of a way to, to put products in front of a different audience that you don't get. You know, going right. through traditional golf sites, guys like us, right? That that's a reality, right? We're, and and they're they're reaching a, a wider array of people than just people who are just golfers. Like, yeah, people, like I like to think we're kind of golf cool, but yeah. that's still not particularly cool. Exactly. You know, on the grand tour things, we're not we're not cool, very cool. I think you're cool. Well, Look at that and, hat. And, yeah. So, Peaky Blinders. <laughs> no, I think I'm, I mean. Steph Curry is definitely way more cool than Jordan Spieth. Oh, for sure. more people. I think name, so. the, name the coolest golfer. Brooks I think on paper, Ricky Fowler. I think on... Brooks Koepka is cooler than Ricky Fowler. Did you see him jump off that boat in a thong this weekend? Brooks Koepka? Dude. 
You gotta look this video up. It's disturbing. I mean, was that this where weekend? was I? Feel like I? Uh, I wasn't. I didn't weekend. see that. that was, I, 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 I never saw yeah, that. It's a Borat singlet. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's hey, his, from the back view too. His I girl's mean. tired of that golf tan, man. <clears throat> hey, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So, Sam, what do you think? Do you think uh, a non-professional golfer is going to move the needle more than the pro golfer selling gear? Yeah, I mean, especially in Steph Curry's situation, I, I don't know if we can speak in general terms of any professional athlete that's not a golfer, but with Steph Curry, he's played at a Wim.com tour event. He's also a superstar athlete in basketball, but I also think that the average golfer, at least people that know who Steph Curry is, can relate to Steph Curry more than they can yeah, relate I to agree Jordan Spieth in, in a golf sense. Well, he's what he's a scratch golfer, if not one or two. So he's like a decent golfer. Well, what do you mean? Oh, yeah. The no, average golfer sure. can relate to him because he's got their a little more of their game in them. Yeah, I think so. I think I think Steph Curry is closer well, to the average golfer than he is. Well, to then let me Jordan ask you a speech. question. Let's say Tony Covey. I mean, that's the average. You know, like if he started selling gear, would people relate more to that because he's? I don't. Like I them? don't think a line of my hats would do well. For example, you don't. <laughs> no. Yeah, but, but you get what I'm saying. Like Tony Cubby's a superstar in the golf industry, but not in. But he's the pyramid not a of influence has always been about people like the really. If you see somebody <clears throat> really good on TV, like a pro winning, you go, "Man, I I could win, right?" I've never known gear to be sold because I related. Well, if it's lifestyle, yes, but if it's about performance, no. You know what I mean? Well, well I think. I mean, that's- that's I think what that's, it is, though. That's well, exactly. I think that's kind of where the that's why he's not trend is moving. Exactly, and I think that's where the trend is moving. Is <clears throat> golf is becoming a more of a, and we're seeing it in the design of products as well with spikeless shoes rising. You know, you can we we talk about this in the offs all the time. There's the shoes that you can wear on and off the golf course. This kind of stuff, I would wear that. I mean, maybe not a night out because then I look kind of like a peacock. Hey, you peacocking though, dude? I can tell you what the I pants know. that he's as under those. I know you're gonna like. What like, are they? They're joggers. Uh, are they tight? They're tight. All right. And the, and the little cutoffs as well. I think they're like And Sam's shorter. been working on oh, his they're above, they're above I've been working on the quad game. So. They're above ankle bashes. Your quad I game is good. strong. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. I noticed it this weekend. With my short shorts? Yes. I brought, cool. I brought them out just for Chuck. I thought they were squirts. You thought <laughs> I was wearing a skirt? <laughs> his game was tight this weekend and his pants, but it was a fun Tight weekend. pants, tight game, baby. That's right. It was fun watching it. I, from threw a, I threw a quarter down in front of him, Sam, or Tony, and I said, if you can bend over and pick that up, I'll give you $100 if you don't split your pants. I, I didn't try to pick it up. <laughs> All right, next up is something new, and every week we're going to have a contest on the No Putts Given episodes, and uh, we'll give the prize away the next week to one uh, randomized or selected winner, depending on what the contest is going to be. So this is called the most wanted challenge. And what that is, is simple. The most wanted seal is what we give away to the winners of our categorical uh, equipment tests, whether it be a driver, iron wedge, putter, shoe, whatever. They get a seal. And as you can see on the screen, uh, this was at a PGA show booth and all kinds of brands. You're seeing them in commercials with Strixon and Nikon uh, you're seeing them at retail with what's called POP displays or, you know, conventions and trade shows. Uh, Harry, there was even one from your country. I think an Under Armour shoe. Matt, do you have that? to put up? Oh, there it is. Yeah, he, uh, he sent me that picture and said, uh, this is pretty cool. Damn, that's I, pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it's reaching over to the motherland yeah so it's reaching uh all over the place even mm -hmm. your homeland and so what we want to do is have everyone out there go out there and either try to find it in your retail store try to find it online somewhere and just post it on social media take a quick picture and post on twitter facebook or instagram tag my golf spy and hashtag most wanted challenge and next week we'll pick a winner and we'll send out a ball marker that we have that's all 100% milled from the US Open uh, for Pebble Beach with a laser scanned replica of the Jack Nicholas one iron. And uh, that's what we're gonna do for this week. So don't forget to tag my golf spy and put hashtag most wanted challenge on social and we'll pick a winner next week. All right, so next up is called Sam Swipes Right. And for everybody out there that doesn't know, Sam Robinson is our head of product testing in the test facility in Yorktown for hard goods. That's drivers through putters. And he is also a hell of a talent at swiping right on all the social media apps <laughs> that swipe right. And um, I think we've got... We call that What's social that? media. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And every week he says he's off it, but then he's back on it. But anyway, Sam is swiping right on something in regards to becoming an expert at something rather than an expert tinker. And how this came about was, uh, according to the Seattle Times this week, former uh, number one world amateur uh, for 46 weeks in a row, Chris Williams, just hung it up, meaning hung up the golf spikes and retired at age 28. He's going to go back and finish college, and right now he's an intern in the athletics department. Okay, this was There's not many people that have held the world – uh, amateur number one ranking for more consecutive weeks than him. John Rahm tops the list. And the other guys are all pretty damn good golfers on tour. So it's kind of a shame to see. But, um, you know, he said after college, after he goes back and finishes, is something he always wanted to do that he might or might might not return to golf. So why, why did he hang it up then? Well, that's kind of the bigger story. So what was most interesting to me is when you read between the lines – one of the major reasons he hung it up was his confidence was completely eroded standing over the golf ball. And one of the major contributors to that was golf equipment. And what I mean by that is when he became a pro, Nike sponsored him. And we've heard this story more than once uh, by more than one golfer. And that is that when, you know, I am not saying they made the worst equipment. I just don't think they made very good equipment. And I think it hurt a lot of players' games and him being one of them. And he admitted that, you know, he just never – he lost his confidence. He couldn't get used to them. And he stood over the ball and didn't know how to execute when you needed to execute, right? So that brings us to the bigger question that Sam's swiping right on, and that is should you become an expert at something or an expert tinker? I mean, too often we see guys coming in the office where – you know, we've got a certain tester, we won't name names. He, he comes in with a new set of irons every now and again, and he's probably, he'll ask us to check the loft and lives of everything. Every month, and every, every month. He's, and, you know, he's retired. He's got plenty of money. He's just having fun, trying things out. And But at the end of the day, at, at what point does it end? And he just decides on a, a piece of equipment, and he can become an expert with those tools. So we were talking about it last week where, you know, if you go into work every day and you have a different hammer, if you're a craftsman and you have a different hammer and you have to, figure out how to use this hammer every day, you're not going to be very good at using a different hammer every day. Well, take the guy that's had a hammer, right? You know, um, 
you know, I roofed when I was in the summer between high school and college, right? And there was this guy uh, that was just better than everybody else. And he'd been up there on the roof for 30 years, you know? And I'll never forget, he stuck all the nails in between all of his fingers and within three seconds, bang, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. All the nails are in. And I watched this guy in amazement because that would have taken me 30 years to do, right? So imagine if 30 years, which he had the same hammer. I mean, it was not pretty. It was ugly. It was beat up. But if you were to hand him a new high-tech new hammer 30 years after he is – I mean, that thing had become a part of his body, you know? Yeah. And if I hand him a new hammer, he's got to relearn that to some degree. You yeah, know? that 10,000 hours to, perf to expert clock that resets. Every time you put something new in your hand, it resets yeah. that clock, right? So, you know, what do you think about that, Sam? I mean, you have been in the golf industry now for a few years. You've been a great golfer, college. You tinkered a little bit, tinkered a little more. And you're a tinker to some degree with your swing, with equipment. Um, are you thinking a little bit differently now that you've been a part of the industry and had an opportunity now to tinker more than you used to? Like, what are your thoughts in regards to that? Yeah, I think I think once you, you're able to find the right piece of equipment for you, don't change it. You know, there's a saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and I've... I, I think I'm starting to find the right equipment for my game that I can tinker. Well, <clears throat> I'm, I, I would say this, I would say this about you. When it comes to equipment, you do not change your clubs until you think it's better or know it's better. Yeah, I do. For, I put, I put definitely. equipment through the paces a lot more than just changing drastically an entire set of irons, but your swing, you change if, and you change even if you shoot 62 well, <laughs> or whatever here, you but shoot. But here, like. here, here's the way I look at it. Like, I'm not opposed to change. Like, for example, most wanted, Tony and I would argue back and forth. <clears throat> we would change protocols for our testing. And it would frustrate our reader to some degree. But we would my always bad. say, what's that? <laughs> my bad. <laughs> <laughs> we would always say, if you became smarter and got better, you implemented it, period. That's the way you got to do, right? So I'm not opposed to people changing their equipment if it definitively makes you better or your swing. Right, and don't just change it just because you there can you or because you think that you don't like the way it looks or something. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I, I played a Cobra driver when I first started working at my golf spy, and then I tested best with a ping. And ping's got that. Now it's changed. They've they've cleaned up the the crown a little bit. But when I first grabbed a ping, it was the dragonfly technology, mm -hmm. and we get a lot of guys giving a subjective feedback in the testing. Oh, I just can't look at this. It's not it's not traditional. That matte black with the webbing and that I can't get used to it. But if it's the best performing club for you, don't worry about how it looks. Just become an expert with that club and continue to use it. Yeah, Tony, um, is that something that you do? Do you change change you, did you not have to sign a contract to not change equipment this year? Well, we didn't. We didn't sign anything. But, um, <laughs> and, I, and I certainly word is bond, my man. In some favorable terms. Um, you know, I, I'm probably not as as big of a tinkerer as as certainly as I used to be. Right. Uh, I, I tend worse. to mess with the driver. Like I will. Without a without some type of rule and regulation uh, imposed on me by my friends, I would I would probably play six different drivers. And thank on the course God for your friends. But that's I mean that's not even true. Like I played, yeah. I mean I played the the Cobra LTD for two seasons, the the G four hundred LST for the better part of two seasons. So 
Yeah, I, I guess. Just, that's nice. you know, yeah, so I, I, I think, move things in and out, but I'm not. I'm not. Well, crazy, I think Sam brought up the big, the better point. Except that, chefs, I'll, I'll, I'll go through fifty that's chefs. That's a that's a big see. change, bigger than you think. It is. I think I, I think that there's a difference between changing your tools and sharpening your tools too. Good analogy, and I think you said it right. Like if you're changing because they're better performers, I'm okay with that, right? But then even once you've done that, become an expert. But if you're changing because Oh man, this thing didn't play well this round, or I don't like the looks of that. Hone your skill, hone your craft, right? And part of a craft is the tools you have. And the better you rarely run into a talented craftsman that doesn't have the right tools, right? And he's not changing them all the time, you know? Yeah, I mean Tiger Woods. Look at his putter, Jordan Spieth. Look at his putter. You know the 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 technology and and metal woods and irons has improved over time. So yeah, they're probably gonna put better performing equipment in their bag, but end of the day i mean you and i both know that there's not that much technology in putters but those guys those are the tried and true pieces of equipment that they rely on and yeah those, if you and if you want a great example just look no further than this weekend steve stricker just won with 13 year old irons I there mean, you go better uh newer is not always better and back to the point and that is just try to put into your head or swipe right that try to become an expert at the tools that you have you know we have a guy that works with us, a uh, designer, and he, uh, Sean, he is like Tony. He tinkers all the time. I, I don't mean, tinker all the time. What the? Yes, you do. <laughs> you have an addiction. But, once, you, once you get that stigma, you can't shake it. But this guy has an obsession with it. You know he does. He'll call and just ask the just most asinine question. I'm like, dude, you've got the best club. Stick with him. His wife actually made him sign a contract that – Many of you have that went seen. around on some other famous social media accounts. So. Yeah, so he had to sign a contract with his wife that he wouldn't change clubs. And I talked to him the other day, and didn't even prompt him to ask him how it's going. But he was like, "Thank you for saying that because I haven't changed equipment all season. It's the best my game has been, you know. So give it a shot. Change. You know, it's funny that Nike was the problem or culprit for a lot of these golfers. It seemed, and their slogan back there was embrace change. Right, which I'm cool with, but maybe we shouldn't embrace that. Well, there's, much change. there's that thing is for those people that didn't know that Ti- um, that Tiger Woods didn't play actual when he was winning all those majors. He didn't play Nike irons. There was a Nike logo slapped on that iron. They were hand. Well, that's that's not universally true. I mean, they did get to the point where they were making irons for him. It's been a sore subject hey, with some of the Nike bit, guys. Bigger picture here, idea. overarching theme: if you have one bad round with your irons. Don't don't always change. Maybe you just had a bad swing thought that day, or your tempo was off. It's not always the clubs. Yeah, always the clubs. <laughs> Except when it's the ball. Except when it's the ball. Oh, We're that's... gonna get great transition. Yeah. And so Tony, Tony just got back from Titleist. Um, he went on a visit there, and Tony Titleist I'll... East, Fairhaven, New Bedford, Massachusetts, the the mothership, if you will. Yeah. So what did you do out there when you were out there, Tony? Yeah, we did a few things. We spent a we spent a few minutes in the on the first morning with uh, with Mary Lubon, who's the the president of the Titleist Golf Ball Division. That was kind of a casual conversation, but we got to talk a little bit about the evolution of of Titleist and 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 even the relationship with my golf spy. So that was that was a, that was a good little chat. We took a a tour of R and D, which was holy shit, uh, mind blowing, eye opening, scary, horrifying. I don't know. Pick your adjective depressing well, i mean the word you told me is it pissed you off 
Yeah, yeah, we'll come back to that. I <laughs> uh, looked at kind of some some of the facilities that very few people get to see where some of the, the parts that go into the golf ball making machines are created. Uh, we did the ball plant number three tour where they make the Pro V1, Pro V1X, and AVX. Um, went to Manchester Lane, did a ball fitting, and uh, went and played some golf. I, I should say the, the guys... Uh, from Titleist played golf. I sort of just whacked balls around. Well, they fit uh, you. It's not a great day, you. That's all right. Yeah, good, uh, good time. And really, these trips are great because you, especially when it's it's very much open door and you're free to ask what you want and just have, you know, it's to a degree like somebody inviting you into their home and kind of showing you what they're really all about and who they are. So kind of really eye-opening a lot of the stuff we kind of expected to see but when you actually see it you're yeah like i said some of it is is pretty scary so what'd you see yeah we we saw a lot of golf <laughs> balls that had been cut open um you know, i don't i don't know how specific i'm allowed to be so i'm going to talk in general terms we've got we've got some plans for how we're going to bring some of this to light in in really specific terms and and see what's what but just just a couple of examples you know, there, there's a there's a wall where they have it's it's got to be close to a dozen golf balls, maybe more uh, different names on the packages, different logos, uh, different price points. And they are all the same damn golf ball. So essentially, depending on, on which brand you associate with. Right. Because that's what you're doing. You're like, hey, uh, I guess this brand resonates with me. So I'm going to I'm going to buy this ball that was white so wait a second wait a second wait a second when you say there's a, a wall there with 12 balls cut open and they're all the same these are balls that are different companies the only the thing that's different ball. is the box and the logo same cover same dimple pattern same number layer same materials same damn golf ball different box different price depending on on which one you pick out and that's that's just what's on the wall there are other cases where you know some of these are sort of almost obsolete you know you can probably pick them up here and there but there are there are balls being made today, and I don't think this is any huge secret, where you're essentially deciding that, hey, I like the logo on this particular factory ball, and so, you know, that's the one I'm going to buy. And there are situations where, you know, I think it's like, hey, if you really like this ball, you should figure out what it is and see if anybody else is selling it for the exact same, selling the exact same ball for a better price. I don't think it's, don't think it's common knowledge. I mean... At all. I don't think the average golfer goes around cutting open balls and going, Oh, I I didn't I knew that these balls were the same or that I even knew in general terms that this golf ball and that golf ball might even be the same. I don't even think golfers have a clue about that. I mean I'm, I'm sitting here shook right now. Dude, right, so I will give you I'll give you a couple more examples of just scary as hell stuff. So um, Titleist has some obviously capabilities that not everybody has and can do things that, that are hard. And like, I, I tried some things I'm down to one band aid, but I spent the weekend peeling golf balls and I, I literally stabbed myself three times, uh, pretty severely in a couple of cases. Um, <laughs> but they're actually, so they, they peel golf balls down to the core. And so there's this, this one box. It was, uh, hopefully it's, it's not, it's not a popular brand. It's, it's one of those you find in a big box store. Um, and they, they started cutting them, and then, you know, first one, core was X, opened up another ball, different core, opened up another ball, different core. And when I say different, I'm talking different colors, different materials, different sizes, different diameters, uh, all different the, all number layers in the ball. So this box had everything from a two-piece, you know, just a almost range ball quality type thing, all the way up to one of a core 
a core that appeared to be from a tailor-made TP5. And, so hold on, back up. Shit. So this is a box that if a golfer One went box. into a store and bought this box of balls, he would have thought that all those balls were the same, not only brand, but the same model of golf ball, correct? Right. And, and seven how many or eight different? Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. It was it, it looked like a random sampling, of course. So out of the out of the dozen, there were actually eight different balls. Seven or eight, I, I can't remember if it was a twelve pack or a fifteen pack, but out of it, probably there was a fifteen least, pack. Yeah, there were at least eight different golf balls in there, and and when I say different, I mean like I said, everything from a two piece to what had to be a five piece. Right. I mean, how how deep does this rabbit hole go within the book? We've only scratched the surface, and it changed a lot well, of stuff gonna, within. We're going to start a new series coming up, and um, you know, Tony's been working on it this weekend, and we're going to expand on it because the golf ball test that we did, I think, was one of the most impactful things we've ever Exa done. Yeah, I agree. And because it opened up, you know, the Kirkland golf ball test was a domino that allowed people to look at, you know, alternative golf balls, right? which I think is good. But a lot of those alternatives we're finding out aren't great alternatives. And the golf ball test we had shined a light, not a microscope, but a light, mm -hmm. broad spectrum light on a lot of those issues. And there's people out there thinking we're crazy and that couldn't possibly happen. Just trust us. You're going to see a lot worse than that. And Tony's coming up with a series called Find It, Cut It. And I love this concept because Tony is going to literally randomly find balls on the golf course or in a store and cut them open. Mostly on the golf course. I, I think it's important that, you know, we look at golf balls that people paid money for. Like we can say, Hey, this is out here. Somebody bought this ball and, and here's what they actually got for their money. And Tony is, uh, we basically, we've built this thing to where you can see not only, uh, how off center cores can be, which can cause erratic ball flights, which, you know, every golfer I've told this to, the first question they ask, whether they are a scratch golfer or a 30 handicap goes, so wait a sec, like, could that be the reason why my ball is going left or right? And the answer is, it could be one of the reasons, you know? And that's yeah, shocking I, I to golfers. I think this is, this is kind of one of those things where in, in talking to the, to the Titleist guys, we were able to validate a lot of what we saw in the test or explain, right? So, you know, one of the things we saw that, especially at high speed, right? And we want to be clear about that speed, whatever the problem is, speed amplifies it. So, you know, we saw balls that went 20, 30, 40 yards offline. And I'm talking not with roll, I'm saying landed up to 40 yards offline. And you're like, hit with a robot. That can't happen, right? Because this is a golf ball that's perfectly round. And if, if one does it, they should all do it. And they're all the same. And that that's just not the case. And so, you know, at, at Titleist, they, they gave us a couple demonstrations. One of them was a ball with I guess what you would call mismatched dimple patterns. And this is something that can sometimes happen at the factory where the, the top of the mold is mismatched with the bottom of the mold. So half the ball has a different, different dimple pattern from the other. And when you hit it, that ball, you'll see the ball go wildly offline in one direction or the other. Uh, but there won't be anything necessarily on the launch monitor that's obvious. So you won't see a change in ball speed or spin axis. What we saw in, the, uh, in, our, in our ball test were balls that would go, again, up to 40 yards offline, and there would be a corresponding shift in the spin axis. So we'd see something like a minus 10-degree tilt. And that happens when you have off-centering of the layers. So, you know, the, the weighting, right? A golf ball needs to be weighted evenly on its equator. And when it's not, it spins off axis. And, you know, just like it's essentially 
kind of the same thing as a as a airplane. side hill lie where so, the ball immediately just tilts right it's airplane wings so on impact it's going to tilt to the heavy side think of floating it in epsom salts is another example right where you see the the heavy side go down same principle when you hit a ball that that has uneven layers tilts down and with that corresponding spin axis tilt you get a ball that, you exactly know, flies i mean that's, that's one of the things that i'm going to be doing is when I've got USAM qualifying next Tuesday and I'm going to be, whatever ball I'm playing, um, I'm going to be putting them in Epsom salts and making sure that that is one variable I can eliminate. So, DeChambeau Jr. over here. So does That's that, exactly what I'm going to do. Is it brand, like, does it matter the size of the, the brand? Like, are these only, like, bad, so, you know, bo- well, big I mean, box retailer got, brands that we're seeing or is this any, you know, not certainly, any Certainly, company? there is, I want to say, let me, let me choose my words carefully for now. Uh, certainly there are some evidence that, that some brands are better than others. And, you know, some of the balls I've cut open recently, there are, in some cases you, you do need kind of the, the template we built to see some of it. Other cases you're like, holy shit, how did that get out of that We can't say anything Um, about And and here's the thing, like, look, Titleist has its story, right? Titleist, Titleist says, Hey, we have the highest quality in, in the ball industry. And, you know, we're, we're going to cut open Titleist balls too. We're going to look at everything. Titleist philosophy is that it is not possible to inspect quality into your product, right? Quality has to be part of every process, every step of the long, along the way. You can't just get to the end and hope that you can pull out the and bad let me just, And let me just put that in perspective, bringing it smaller scale, right? If you don't have control of the process, which most of these- Every come, step of the process. Every step, every step. But what if you don't even have the plant to make your own balls? You are not watching that process every step. So the less control you have of your process, the less control you have of the quality of your golf ball. And yeah, or that's, quality that's of whatever you have. That's reasonably true probably for everything, right? The, the further you are removed from, from whatever it is, the less control you have over that situation. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, there there not every golf company owns its own factories. Not every golf company controls every aspect of, of how a ball gets made within those factories to a degree, right? You know, some source, a greater percentage of the, the materials, that sort of thing versus kind of mixing the formulations on site. So there's just, there's, there's just tremendous variety in the ball market in terms of, of what the brands ap- actually control. And we, we haven't proven that yet. You know, certainly we, we saw some things in our testing where we're like, mm, that's, that's not good. Uh, but like I said, find a cut it. We're going to do a lot more, at taking a look at what's inside the golf balls that people are buying and and we are i'm going to do it now and we're going to do it with every episode we're going to encourage guys to do the same thing cut the balls open i mean a pvc cutter from home depot is 15 bucks and it it's alarming how much of what is sometimes wrong with a golf ball is visible to the naked eye so you know, if you can clearly see a core is off center or you can clearly see that that a cover is thicker on one side than the other, those are going to have performance implications. There's no doubt about that. So well, that's what I was going to say. So Tony's going to start a series called Find It, Cut It. And I think it's going to be eye opening to all golfers for one. But I think we're going to build a list of the things we find and how each one of those things can potentially affect your performance. And as you can see. Tony has cut open a plethora of balls already, and he's going to cut open a a ton more to educate consumers on what's going on inside the golf ball and how it affects uh, your game. And we've already heard, we already know a list. The list is already 
being built, right? And the list will continue to be built. Um, I would say this, Tony, like what are the most alarming things that you've seen either at Titleist or by cutting open balls yourself so far? Well, certainly at Titleist, any anytime you have a box of balls that has eight different uh, eight different <laughs> models with the same logo, that's that's going to be the scariest thing I think you've ever you're ever going to see because, I mean, we we talked about this before, right? Earlier in the segment, we talked about hey, let, let maybe don't swap your equipment all the time. The same thing goes for the golf ball, right? That golf ball needs to be the same. Imagine whether it's a because you're changing balls or you're you're playing a ball model that's inconsistent it's if i said hey you know i'm you have whatever your distance is say 160 and that's a 7 iron for you but but on every shot or four times around i made you change your 7 iron i mean how are you going to get consistent results with that right your lofts are going to be different everything's going to be it's just an added variable that's not needed right find right. find a consistent variable a good ball that's quality ball and stick you know, it was one of our take, biggest takeaways from the golf ball test. We don't care what ball you necessarily play. I mean, I kind of do. But more importantly, play the same ball. Every hole, every shot, every putt. And make sure the yeah, manufacturer that's creating the your ball, ball is putting and, the and same ideally, ball in the box. Yeah, exactly. Find a ball that the manufacturer can make consistently. Same ball over and over again with the cores in the middle. Um, so you asked what <laughs> I've seen. I've got balls here where... The cores are visibly off-center. You're like, holy shit! How did that get out of the factory? How it are looks, you? And you've of, got uh, ones with swirls on the cores. Yeah, I was going right, to say. Right. Yeah, what, so you've got, you look at the you look at the cores, and it's uh, and it's all swirly. What does that and, mean? And that would be fine, right? If if that was the design of the ball, but you look at you look at three more of the Boy, same nice. model, and not only is every core Good formulation nice. a slightly different color, which meaning you know there there's something inconsistent in the recipe but when you see swirls in your core like that it means they didn't mix it properly so and if you, you see know, imagine, if you see rubber tires or steel belts and well the... that was that was one from titleist where, that's what i was gonna say um, again this is this is one where you have several you know brands logos being being put on a ball and the ball i mean these are cheap balls these are balls that hopefully anybody watching this knows not to buy anyway um but so essentially the insides, the cores are made. It's a two-piece ball. Cores are made from recycled tire rubber. And in some cases, the Titleist guys told us they actually found portions of like the steel belt from the tire. Okay. So just, just think still about that. in the ball. Think about that for a second. When you wear what your tread down. On? Let's see. Yeah, exactly. What is going on with the what? Yeah, so I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if I've got, I don't know if I've got steel belts in this one, but you know, this is kind of kind of what we're dealing so, with. So those, those like white dots could be still yeah i mean and, and again some of these you see this could kind of this could be ice this cream. pattern quite a bit um i don't know let me tell that to let me just grab one more this will this one's kind of interesting i don't know i don't know if you'll be able to see it or not in from you know this type of angle we're dealing with but here's a ball from a, a uh, we can exceptionally popular model which is wildly off center uh so wait that's that's yeah. not the one that we covered well listen you know Bigger picture, spoiler alert, so golf balls on the inside aren't what you think. We're going to you know, find them, cut them open, and tell you what we found and also how it affects your game. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this because... Seriously. This could be bigger than it, the golf ball test. I so think I'm, I am... I'm excited about it. I think it's it's one of my few good ideas. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I'm absolutely uh, horrified about what I might find. And I want to be I'm, clear, like, we're... We're going to cut it all open. Like I said, we've, we've talked about, we think there are brands that have quality control issues. Titleist says that they make the, the tightest quality, you know, 
consistent ball. We're going to cut theirs open. We're going to see what we find just about anything. If we find something weird, we'll cut that open too. But uh, mostly we want to concentrate on newer models from top manufacturers or popular direct cons to consumer brands. Who knows? Maybe we'll find two that are exactly the same with a different logo. Uh, like I'm I said, so, it's going to be so really, really interesting. So oh, I mean, Tony um, just some points to reiterate. P play the same ball. Play a quality ball. And if you get the opportunity, get fit for a golf ball. Um, Wait, before we... Which, you know, I did as well while I was a Titleist. And yeah, what, what did they fit really you with? Really interesting. What's that? What did they fit you with? <laughs> this is this is textbook tony uh for sure like this is everywhere i go this kind of thing happens so uh i've, I've I know talked coming to, yeah so i'm 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 a high spin player to begin with uh a dynamic loft machine Can mostly because i probably going. have shit wrist conditions like i know what it is uh their first recommendation was maybe go get a lesson which is, <laughs> is not a bad idea so <laughs> Did you tell him you already went to the Martin Chuck School of Golf? And it didn't fix yeah, you. Yeah, you know, and I and I did improve. I just need to improve more. I need so to they be so Chuck all right. Wait, so they couldn't just, fit you for so a they ball. They couldn't fit you up. So <laughs> they couldn't so fit we you. We talked about this. So um, no I was way. definitely too high spin for the Pro V1X. Pro V1, uh, you know, they said I might want to look at AVX, but I again feel does matter to a degree, right? Um, as much as we like to to say just that it shouldn't. They couldn't fit you for uh, a ball. So I, I, for me, AVX is like putting mashed potatoes. So what they actually fit me into is a left dash Pro V1X, which is uh, a one of their one of a handful of tour models that they offer to to the guys. It's sort of a best described as a lower spinning Pro V1X. So it's a little firmer, a little faster, but a little. Did they a, did they give you these? They they sent me home with a, about a dozen and said, hey, try them on the course. And that's the other thing too. So part of the, essentially what Titleist gives you is a recommendation. They don't say, hey, play this ball. This is absolutely it. No questions asked. Don't look at anything else. Just play this blindly. They say, hey, based on the numbers that we see, combination of half wedge shots, seven iron shots, and driver performance, we think this is going to be the ball that's best for you now. Now, typically, they only fit for AVX, Pro V1, and Pro V1X because the position, and this is another point I think that's really interesting to make, is that Unless your primary concern is money, if you're if you're performance focused, unless you're literally trying to pinch every penny and you don't care about the performance of your golf ball, you shouldn't be playing a, a, a two piece golf ball. You, it's a great point. If so, you care, if you're serious about performance, three, four piece, whatever, you're a thing ball. So all right, two quick they things before Pro V1 X, Pro V1, and AVX, and I ended up in a tour model pro v1 left dash pro v1x excuse me left dash which they say is probably a fit for about five percent of golfers so all right before we move special. before we move on a couple things special is a good word that's, that's a nice word a couple quick things before we move on if you haven't seen the golf ball test we did i encourage you to go on there and check it out uh it's at the very top banner of the website you can find the golf ball results and two tony brought up a good point so we tested tour model golf balls and we've gotten a lot of questions on hey can you guys do you know a non-tour model ball test and the reason we selected a tour model ball test is because everyone that we consulted with that are golf ball experts before we ran the test said basically if you care about performance don't buy a cheap golf ball mm -hmm. because there is no performance benefits so no need yeah, to let really me, test uh, them. Let me interject and, something real quick, Adam. So 
the other sort of reason that gets pushed for for playing a two-piece ball or I guess what you would call a, a closer premium two-piece ball is the idea of shot shapes per, uh, correction, right? These balls spin less off the driver and so you're more likely to find the fairway. The titleist position, and it, to a large degree, it, it does bear out in the numbers. If you look at kind of a, a premium tour ball and a two-piece ball designed for shot shape correction through reduced spin, the spin reduction is not super significant. It's just a, a two, 300 RPM off the driver. And what you give up off irons and around the green, the argument is, look, that, that tiny bit of improvement you get off the driver isn't worth what you lose around the green and on approach shots where you're going to hit the overwhelming majority of, of your shots. And, you know, a guy like me, especially Dean Snell's talked about this as well. Your average golfer who misses greens with, with greater regularity than he hits them, you know, to, to get the performance off wedges and irons is far, far more important that to get the spin where you need it than to sort of give it up to, to well, correct the shot. Probably by a more impactful for the average golfer, too, is they buy them for a price point. And now there really is no reason to do that anymore because there are tour quality golf balls being sold for the price that these yeah. affordable golf ball, two-piece golf balls were being sold for. So there's really no reason that I can see to test them or recommend them to any golfer except for maybe some very small instances or percentages, right? So why? Yeah, know, and uh, anecdotally, when we, the, we, me, anyway, the stuff that I've cut open, especially if you're, if you're really trying to pinch pennies, like the two-piece balls, that's where I really see sort of that that uneven cover stuff. So, well, if you're trying to pinch that yeah. many pennies, I would advise to just go buy the re- you know the balls that are recycled at the store yeah, that are high-quality, tour-quality golf balls. Well, that don't are cheaper. Well, uh, so you could go buy a Kirkland dozen used, for a dollar used, a ball. Used versus recycled. That's what I'd say. I'd say you're better off with a used ball than a recycled refinished. That's true. Because yeah, when you're when you start, this is something we talked about as well. When you you start spraying or refinishing, that's adding true. paint, that's a way to create unevenness in your yeah. dimple depths. And that's a good point. Yeah. So you know, buyer beware with the recycle balls. I forgot about that. A lot of them are resprayed and repainted, which you know, as Tony just told you, no by cutting, bueno. by cutting open balls, just a little bit of more weight on one side of a ball can totally impact it, uh, how it flies in the air. So Tony. For golfers out there right now, what can they do minus going out there buying balls and chopping money up, basically? What do you recommend, you know, the check and go or the uh, Epsom salt where they can check these on their own, correct? Yeah, yeah. You can get a check go, check go pro or just the old method of floating a ball in Epsom salt. And, you know, basically what that finds is the identifies the heavy side of a golf ball. And so if you you know, it, with Epsom salt, it's particularly revealing, right? So the, the more sort of out of balance the ball is, the faster it will return to the same mm-hmm. spot, where if it's relatively well balanced, you get kind of yeah, it keeps spinning pretty much. Versus, yeah. Um, so Epsom salt's work. Check GoPro if you want to draw a line on it. That, that can help as well. I've done that for years. But, I mean, it, at the end of the day, like, shouldn't come to that, right? Because you're paying... Shouldn't have to. If you're paying for a good ball, you're paying three, four, in some cases, you know, more than $4. All right, give me the three top ball. Give me the three type brands and you think, uh, in your opinion, of uh, quality control. Uh, Based on testing, based on what I've been told, based on what I've heard from multiple sources in the industry, uh, look, Titleist, Shrix on Bridgestone. That's, like, honestly, at this point, knowing what I know, having seen what I've seen, and you, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me to, to 
because again, you're going to get similar performance from other brands. Although yes, one know, once, you, right? Maybe not the next time. So this and is so about yeah, it becomes it becomes not only hey, does this ball have the performance specification that I'm looking for? But hey, are all the ones in this box the same? Well, let me just ask you a question. If you want to hit it 175 yards, and you know that your iron hits it 175, and one time that goes 165, and it had nothing to do with your swing, that's not Or 10 yards offline. That's not something you would want in your game, right? That added variable. So play a ball that's consistent, that goes consistent distances, consistent ball flights or else you're just adding an unneeded variable to a game that's already hard as shit right yeah i mean it's it's that's that's a secret to golf to some degree right is eliminating all the variables that you possibly can so start by playing the same ball every time because the ball is a can be a huge variable sounds like common sense right and then pick a brand and model that is consistent too so there aren't you don't have multiple variables within the same box all right before we move on last thing i want to say don't buy golf balls with recycled tires in the middle. They're going to hurt your game. All right, now we're going on to GPS testing. And Harry, our Harry Nodwell is the director of soft good testing at My Golf Spy, and he will be testing GPSs next. And what do you got for him? Harry? Um, I got a good deep tip for you. Okay. It's uh, if you're lost in life, you can find yourself with a GPS. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's deep tips, folks. Uh, <laughs> Basically, what I mean is, is uh, there's GPS. I predict that they will go out of fashion with in the future, in a long way in the future, purely because if you think of GPS, they're kind of everyone's using the same satellite. And I found out in, in testing, every every uh, GPS out there pretty much is, is within one or two yards of each other so it's not that much of a variable compared to rangefinders but what i'm seeing the different the different what uh, makes one better than the other yeah that's yeah so features it's, it's pretty much features and graphics yeah i mean if one just tells you the distance right but one shows you the fairway you're playing yeah. and where you are that's that's a help you know visuals help right yeah and and the whole reason for gps is, is they're either on your watch and for the older generation out there they always used a watch back mm. in the day before anything like a phone happened you used to check your time so they've still got that like motion of looking at their watch um so that's a big thing and i think that would die off uh, over time and i think it would just be the the uh, range finders that with the gps on the sides with the garmin as well i think that's yeah, going to be more hybridized the both yeah. combined but you know until then you see, you know, it was years ago when we went to the PJ show and we, I don't know why we were all standing around and we just all looked at each other and we're like, man, in the next couple of years, all these devices are going to start mm-hmm. crunching into one, right? And it started to happen from every vantage point, meaning the rangefinders started to hybridize. Yeah. The GPSs, which we've got a product. Well, let, that- let me let me show you this one right here. we got the Garmin uh, G80 uh, right here. This one has a built-in launch monitor. Granted, it is not accurate anywhere near well, as accurate on. how as much a, does that cost uh i think this is so it's got a random uh, number generator no no, no. <laughs> the ball speeds are really accurate so here's ball the thing well, we've got me or this how much five six hundred bucks i think it's like five to six hundred i can't quite all right don't quite so let's so. go over first of all that's a hybrid right mm-hmm. it's a gps launch monitor a lot of other things and garmin is great at this um so five six hundred dollars includes the launch monitor so then that puts it in the range of the mevo yeah 
the voice comparison. voice caddy, the voice caddy yep. uh, launch monitor, and a couple other ones that are in that price range, and we've tested all of them. And while I think it's a incredible idea and concept, the problem with all these devices come down to the word trust. And if if I use these things and it says I'm hitting it 192 yards, but in actuality I'm hitting it 212 yards, yeah, it's which a big difference. It can be that far off. Yeah, I go out into the course and hit it what I thought was 192, and I fly it by 20 yards. That device becomes not only useless to me, but a hindrance to my game. Right. So, what value do these provide? Ball speeds were pretty <clears throat> accurate, right? Yeah, they spot were. On. They were spot, spot on. on every time. Now, so I want to. Well, do... I mean, that's probably the easiest metric for a small device to get, I would think. Yeah. All right. And, surprise. I, and but that was in a controlled setting inside. I'm going to be taking this out on a golf course and putting it into a real life scenario um, and seeing if it is accurate with the GC quad. For the average golfer, though, Tony, that goes, oh, cool, launch monitor for $500. Tell them what the issue that these $500 units have compared to the unfortunate fact uh, fact that the ones that are really accurate cost $20,000. Yeah, so most of the smaller units and i don't know about the garmin what the actual technology that powers it but when you're when you're dealing with the majority of the smaller uh launch monitor units on the market they're they're doppler radar based like trackman and like flight scope but the issue is because you you have to hit a price point and a form factor mm -hmm. you, you have to use a smaller doppler with less capabilities i guess the best way to put it so while they're pretty good at ball speed, uh, they don't see the full flight of the ball. They don't always get the spin axis right, and that's a big one. So that you'll find out that a lot of these devices don't even give you a spin number because that that's very difficult to get with a with a underpowered slash less expensive device. So spin numbers can be tricky, and a lot of the times too, uh, the form factor. And this is the case with Mevo, uh, and FlightScope is completely honest about this, right? So you have a situation where the the Mevo, or, or, or rather the Doppler, has to be sort of configured to hit the window. So that's why that's why it says, hey, tell us what club you're hitting so that we kind of know where to look for the ball. So it knows that a 7-iron typically launches within a window, you know, pointed here, right? And so rather than just hit it and, and get the data, you oftentimes have yeah. to tell it to and, look for the ball. And the, and the, the one thing with the Garmin uh, GAZ is you have to put it precisely um a certain distance away if you're a couple of inches towards the ball or further away it's going to alter the uh the yeah and all these things yeah. yeah so in my opinion looks cool right looks cool if but you're a guy who just wants a little bit of numbers that is not too worried about i think there's zero value right now in any of them i think they look cool but if they're giving you the wrong numbers they're giving you the wrong numbers and that's just like Tony said it's it's as valuable as throwing up random numbers even yeah, though they're I guess, close. I guess. If you, if, you're, if you're a bull speed know the guy. difference. What's that? No. People don't know the difference. The average golfer would think that's correct. I got a ton of my friends there, scratch golfers. Hey, what do you think of voice caddy? What do you think of this? Like, dude, like, it's just, well, it's, it's, it's something, but it's not. It's something, but yeah. really nothing. Right. Yeah, well, I, I mean, with all of these things, right, like, like I said, spin is, spin is difficult to nail down with any degree of precision. Uh, and if you don't know spin, obviously, right? So when you think about your your basic distance equa equation, yeah. it's it's ball speed, launch angle, and spin. So if you're if you can't follow the full flight of the golf ball, which some of these units can't do, and you can't get an accurate spin number, and you you sort of have to look at the conditions you can read and make an educated guess, 
that methodology doesn't always produce accurate carry distances and yes. things like that. So, so like Tony just said, if you don't get one of the numbers, you're basically making an educated guess. And I just don't want to spend $600 on an educated guess. You know? Right, but yeah. that's... This is this, this is an extra. This right here is <laughs> this but, is uh, right here is just an add-on. You or, can obviously use right. it for a GPS. How about this? You got a ball that goes twenty different yards because of inconsistencies. Now you got something that tells you twenty more yards. You're forty yards off. Yeah, but you're not even. That's a separate thing. So that's when you're practicing. You when you go onto a play mode, you're using the GPS. I get that on the side. Yeah, so but it's, if, it's if you're not relying on it. If you're practicing with it and that practice leads you to believe that your seven iron goes X, and I see what you're there's something yeah. in the way you hit a golf ball that, that I see what you mean. makes yeah. it difficult you're to figure it out that. Yeah. going on that golf course. Correct, correct. I agree. And like Sam said, the average golfer that spends $600 on something assumes that those numbers are accurate, You know, I would guess, right? They're not okay. thinking they're wrong. Right, right. Well, I mean, they just don't know. They, they don't have access to TrackMan and Foresight like we do. And more often than not, they, they don't, is what I should say. Uh, but if they don't know, I mean, you assume that you hit your 7-iron 185 usually, but when you get it on here, maybe it's different. When you get it on 4 Not many different. people assume that. I well, can tell you one thing. It's a cool concept, right? A-yardage. Like, they assume that there's A-yardage. may not be 185, but it is A-yardage. I think we can all agree that the concept of a $500 launch monitor sounds badass, right? Yeah, for sure, yeah. And that's what you know they're playing off of to some degree, but they're not and accurate I, I yet. Think, I think so, someday we'll get there. I do too. Just not so tomorrow. Big picture then. Not yesterday. As the director of SoftKids, Harry, should I buy this? If you want a GPS. But Tony, what do you think the point of GPS is? Well, I mean, certainly some people pre still prefer GPS to rangefinder. And looking at you know what I see from that Garmin, the display is really cool, easy, really easy to read, can give you, you know, with with a rangefinder, for example, it's it's not always easy to know how far you have to hit it to clear a bunker or something like that. Mm -hmm. So there's there's still some use to it, but I, I don't I don't think I would necessarily if I want a rangefinder or, or rather a GPS unit, I would I would buy the GPS unit that provides the best GPS functionality and map functionality and the feature set that I want. And maybe a launch monitor is is part of that feature set, but I don't I don't think that is a reason to buy because again, we don't have a lot of faith in these lower cost. All right, what are you um, going to choose though, uh, Sam? Golf app GPS that costs a hell of a lot less than five hundred dollars, right? Rangefinder, which can tell you the exact distance, or a GPS. As a competing. Com as to know your the most accurate distance as to what you need to choose. Yeah, your as tool someone for. who competes in amateur events, a rangefinder, with, with slope that I can turn on and off for competition. And that's, I, I mean, that's another consideration too, right? You have the competition piece. Uh, the other issue is that, or the reality, I should say, is that a lot of the there there are a multitude of phone GPS apps for golf oh. that that work really really well, have Maybe. really cool graphics. I mean, you don't, this is one of those things, if you're just looking for distances, you can use Arcos Caddy uh, in some cases without the sensors. So, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, here's another thing is, is Garmin has a rangefinder, but you can download the app and use it as a GPS. You get a flyer over every hole and it, it gives you best of both worlds. So yeah, it's really up to your preference. I think they're trying to squeeze a lemon, meaning like, they know that this technology is not going to be here. I don't think, you know, people are going to be using this form of GPS very much. I agree. In the future, I don't think so. But they've already got the platform 
and I yeah, think they're not? trying to get everything they can out. Yeah, of I think it's it's sort of add some features. It might to be the, the compact uh, the CD of of golf technology, right? Mm-hmm. It's you know it's, it works well, high quality, but the world is sort of evolving past it. All right, that brings us to the last section today for No Putts Given, Episode 7, and that is Favorite Golf Product of 2019. And, Tony, I'm going to start with you. What's your favorite product so far in 2019 for golfers? Let me, let me think about this for a second. <laughs> Ventus. That was a great were... entrance. Well done. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Fujikura Ventus. It's a, and I'm not saying everybody should go out and buy the Ventus shaft because that would be stupid. Um, you know, a golf shaft needs to fit you like any other piece of equipment. I'm fortunate that Aventus fits me well. It's fit for it at Fujikura. And while I do still spray the ball from time to time with a driver, what I do notice is that my, the centeredness of my impact has dramatically improved. And so while that is getting me more distance on good shots for better or worse, it does get me sometimes too much distance on, on bad shots as well. But, you know, just being able to repeatedly, uh, hit the center of the driver face is something I've never been able to do before, and now I do that. So that's that's kind of a wild new ride. Yeah. So the Ventus basically is crazy when you think about it, right? Like it's a shaft, but it's kind of an MOI in a shaft. It actually makes you hit the center of the driver face more, even if you wouldn't have hit the center of the face with your normal shaft and swing. Right? right. Pretty crazy. So the Fujikura <laughs> Ventus is Tony's favorite. Um, Harry, what you got? Um. Ennesis. Ennesis shoe. Um, Rando French golf shoe. I like it. Well, they came to our facility and I was like, it's just going to be another brand. We didn't come even out want them to come. Like, it's going to be another one of these I brands that are trying come. to push They're their nice product. People. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it was in my 10 years with my golf spot, it's probably the most impressive presentation from a product mm-hmm. and store presentation that I've ever seen. Decathlon is the store. Basically, they're the dick sporting goods of France. Right. For people that don't You're know. You're all Europe, right? Is it yeah, France yeah. Or is it it's all Europe. And Enesis is their golf division. It's kind of like dicks, you know. I mean, they've got probably other divisions of different things, mm-hmm. um, kayaking or whatever, right, like dicks. But for golf, it's called Enesis. And and we we thought that the, the um, Skechers shoe was comfortable. Yeah, the we do. Ennis is just, just as comfortable. Well, it's more comfortable than their 2019 not, Correct. Sketchers. And it's and, cheaper. Oh, it's like 90, 80 or 90 bucks for a pair of shoes. And they've got one. They've, they've opened up in US now. They're in San Fran, um, in California. And yeah, Harry dropping San Fran like an American. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 4th of July is coming up, dude. I'm, I'm nearly there. <laughs> do we hey, have his American flag suit on order yet? So we're, we're getting, um, everybody's off on Thursday and Friday uh, for July 4th. And we, I think we've got an outfit coming for Harry. Unless I wear this outfit, I you, cannot get it off. Harry does not get off on the 4th and 5th unless he wears the Uncle Sam outfit. Video coming soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, have a, I have a 4th of July golf outfit picked out, but it's not Uncle Sam. I did get some. Uh, I get a new shirt, and I got some shoes to match. So are, they la- are they loudmouth? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ennis's shoe. Yes, yes. And why do you think that they finished really well in our test? Uh, they right? got best value, but they also finished very, very high. Number up, one in it? comfort, I think. Number one in comfort. Um, and the traction for the spikeless version is phenomenal. It's as good as a spiked shoe, 
for yeah. traction it you you're, you're locked in for the ride yeah like a lot that. of golfers don't know that so like the spikeless shoe is obviously the trend right mm-hmm. and you can go from directly off the course with a lot of them. puma kind of leads that yeah. lifestyle category but the problem with some of these spikeless shoes is traction right mm-hmm. um and stability and stability which you know goes kind of hand to hand to some degree but um ennis has kind of knocked it out of the park with yeah. their spikeless shoe we're very impressed sam what's your favorite product for 2019 so far I got to go with the Bridgestone Tour BX golf ball. Um, after our golf ball test, saw that it did really well. I've always wanted to try Bridgestone golf balls and um, tried the XS for a while, and it spun a little too much for me and finally mm-hmm. settled on the Tour BX. And I got to say, man, like it's rare to find a ball that performs well in every aspect of the game. And I really like it because I get, you know, good distance off the driver but the my big thing was control with the wedges so i feel like i can control the trajectory really well with my my wedges coming in 60 70 80 yards and overall you know it's just a great damn good ball yeah I'm sure what do you think what do you think of the feel on that one because it, it does tend a little trend to the firm side i've been playing the same ball all year uh, and i would agree with everything you said but you know if you you come from a a pro v1 even or you know something considerably softer than that it's uh it can be an adjustment well and for me it's interesting because i played strixon z star xv which is also so it's actually bit, softer yeah exactly so i i prefer the feel of the bridgestone over the strixon but when you say you know it takes a while to adjust right like what are you actually adjusting to if you get a little bit of a click of your ball I mean, other than your own perceptions i mean it's still the ball is still pretty much doing the same thing it's a sound feel thing right it doesn't mean actual anything yeah but well it it does in that you you translate that different sensation that different feel sensation quality impact to what it means on the ball flight right Mm -hmm. so hey this this feels firmer whereas you know a a perfectly struck bridgestone bx for example might feel but this is part of the problem that golfers got into and while we're in the position we're in now right when golfers are focus group study, the numero uno thing they care about when it comes to golf ball is what? Feel. 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 And what gives golfers, quote unquote, feel the easiest? Soft. Going That's soft. What and so, what did, what yeah, did we no, find so out I'm in our testing? More in terms of, of not, hey, does it feel firm versus soft? It's playing a ball long enough, sticking with the ball long enough so you, you translate what you feel it impact to what you see on the, on the I guess so it's like a, oh, it's yeah, like a that, well-struck that feels ball like fat. a ball that's going to mm. do this whereas with a different ball that would be an entirely different feel. and and for me the 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 switch wasn't it was almost instantaneous you know i played two rounds with it and i was like this is the ball i'm playing it was the first round i played with it i noticed right away short irons in my hand i i like to hit short irons low and it was like every time i try to hit a short iron low it's like perfect. and you can still spin them around the greens mm-hmm with your i can't spin them as much um around the greens the xv i can spin a little bit more around the greens the xs i I still struggle to spin it it's it's probably with the way i deliver the club face into the into the shot for one and that just goes back to tony's point at the end of the day yeah gotta get fit yeah and luckily for us we have the ability to try everything out and almost fit ourselves and we know what to look for so for me it was just between pro v1 z star xv and and the bridgestone and i eventually went bridgestone Mm -hmm. Yeah, quick, quick, quick note too for anybody who's listening and thinking about, hey, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get fit, or I'm gonna go out and do some on-course testing the golf ball. Titleist recommendation kind of makes sense. Limit yourself to two. Don't, don't try and take five golf balls out on the golf course and sort it out. You know, narrow it down, get down to two, and then 
kind of do some head to head stuff. It gets really difficult when you're out there trying to figure out differences between three, four, five, twenty. Golf yeah, ball. I was I was at Z Star XV and then I was messing with Titleist throughout Z Star XV. Then I found Bridgestone, was with those two, and then over over those two, the Bridgestone was better for me. Well, it's been fun to watch you and Harry play. That is for sure in person. It's great to watch good golf, and I'm sure it's not all the ball, but you guys' games are getting better and better and better, and it's just really it's fun as hell to watch. I got to watch you guys play this weekend, and uh, I don't know. It's just a pleasure to see golf played the way you guys play it. So um, that's it for Episode 7 of No Putts Given. And just a couple things, like we always say, kind of BYOB, be your own brand, find what fits you best. Play what fits you best. Stick with it. Become an expert at your tools. And, um, you know, we've been getting a lot of feedback about no putts given, which I'm quite surprised about. You know, we go places and people just, we've been doing this for a long time and testing. And what I hear more about anything now is this show. So we're definitely listening. If you have any advice or anything you would like us to cover, by all means, let us know. We do listen and we do implement some of the stuff that you guys tell us. And... You know, other than that, uh, don't forget to do the most wanted challenge and go out there and find where you're seeing it and post it on social media. And we'll pick a netter. Uh, we'll pick a winner for next week's show and let you know and win a ball marker from the U.S. Open. And other than that, that's it. And we'll see you next week. All right. <laughs>